2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to start off by reading one verse. <laughs> verse 6. Glory to God. Glory to God. Who also has made us sufficient as ministers. The King James, the old King James says, has made us able as ministers of the new covenant. We are able ministers of the new covenant. The Amplified says, calls it qualified. God has made us sufficient, able, qualified as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Again, the Amplified says, it is he who has qualified us, making us to be fit and making us, making us to be fit and worthy. Say, I'm worthy. And sufficient. Say, I am sufficient. As ministers and dispensers of a new covenant of salvation through Christ. Not ministers of the letter of legal, of legal written code, but of the spirit. For the code of the law kills. But the Holy Spirit makes alive. Amen? I want to convince you today that you are, you are God's qualified minister. I want to persuade you to that end. You know, um, you know there, there, there's sometimes you call someone, they say somebody's a convict. You ever heard that phrase? That someone is a convict? Why are they a convict? They were convict because they were, they were legally convicted of some particular crime. Is that right? All right? They were, they were found legally guilty, and as a result of that, they are now a convict. Well, guess what? I want to persuade you today that you are a convict. You, have been, you are a convict, and you are God's qualified minister. I want you to, to know that there has been a legal case and it's settled in heaven by the blood of Jesus, by the spirit of God, by the sacrifice of Christ, that you are God's qualified, able minister. Amen? Amen. So I want you to be convinced of that today. That is, that is part of my assignment. And I'm believing to do so by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the word of truth, and by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You are qualified. Say, I'm qualified. Now, this is irregardless. Irregardless. Now, listen to this statement. This is not a religious statement at all. Religion is not going to agree with what I'm saying. You are a qualified minister of the new covenant Irregardless of if you're a new Christian, 
irregardless of if you're a stumbling, bumbling believer, carnal, or if you happen to be a lot more mature and you're steadfast in Christ. Once you are born again, you are an able minister of the new covenant. Your very, your very existence as a born-again Christian makes you a witness of Christ. And a witness not meaning witnessing, but you are the very evidence and proof that Jesus is alive. You being born again, you are God's witness. You are the evidence that Jesus is alive. And so I want to bring you to that place where you know that you know that you know that you are an able minister of this new covenant. And then furthermore, that you might make a that you might make an intentional quality decision that you are going to be that able minister that you are. <laughs> Amen? And that you're going to function in that capacity from this day forward. So this message is to come to a place where you know I am an able minister, and I make up my mind that as of this day forward, I'm going to function in that capacity. Amen? Are we all here? Are we in agreement? All right. Now, you know, I, I, I said last week, and, and, and I, I repeat, for us, this is not just a restart coming out of COVID-19. It is that. But it is a new beginning. It's an opportunity to recast the vision bring some clarity, and to have a laser focus on what God has called us here in the Lord's Ministry House to do. One of the mandates of the Lord's Ministry House and of this ministry was, to, was this, to make every member a minister. To make every member a minister. What does that mean? To make every member an extension of Christ himself. Amen? Everyone. So that as that extension of Christ, we all will be serving the purposes of God. Notice I said the purposes of God. As it is in heaven, causing the mandate, causing how it is to be in heaven for it to be that way on earth. That's what our life is all about. And as, the, and, as, and as ministers, the extension of Christ, as, as ministers, it is our responsibility to enforce what Jesus finished. It, it says in 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested. Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the enemy. That's his purpose. So wherever the works of the enemy are, we are to destroy them. In fact, God told Jesus, sit in my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And he is seated at the Father's right hand expecting his enemies to be made his footstool through you and I, the church. Amen? His body, the fullness of him that fill it all in all. The spirits of just men made perfect. 
the ones who have been perfected forever by his sacrifice, the born again believers. That's our purpose. Every minister, and, and this ministry's purpose is, and mandate, is to bring every believer into that place where he is a minister of Christ, an extension of Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, you don't need to, to turn to it, but it says that we are to teach and we are to warn, we are to correct, we are to instruct the believers so that they might be presented everyone perfect, so that everyone, every man might be presented perfect in Christ Jesus. In other words, then, there is a teaching, there is a warning, there is a correcting, there is an instruction in righteousness to the end point that every believer, every member would be mature in Christ. So there is that responsibility of the maturing of the saints. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, in verse 11, it says, when God when Jesus rose up from the dead and so on, he gave gifts to men and he set in the church apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. What for? For the equipping of the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry, so that they can be the extension of Christ in the earth for the building up and the edifying of the body of Christ. That's part of the assignment. The perfecting of the saints. I'm talking about our assignment. And I'm putting this out there because there's going to be a laser focus on these things going forward. In every, in every dimension, in every operation, whether it be live stream, whether it be a midweek service, whether it be some other different services that we're going to be doing, this is the focus. I remember the Lord spoke this scripture to me when I, when I was really, <laughs> when I was new, right, right, um, it was Isaiah 58 and verse 1, and he gave it to me as an instruction, I knew the call of God was there, and he said, show my people their transgressions, and the house of Jacob, their sins, I'm telling you, if you don't have revelation and God say that to you, <laughs> I mean, you could really think that you have a responsibility to point out everybody's sins, go out there and show them their sins, convict them of sin, but I believe what the Lord was saying to me then and is certainly saying to me now, show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob, my covenant people, show them where they have missed it. Show them where they're coming short of the glory. Show them the places of error. Cause them, you see, it's all about righteousness. It's all about being that extension of Christ, that union with Christ, that oneness with Christ. Being the voice of God, being his instrument. So bring about these corrections through the teaching of the word so that as they align themselves in oneness with Christ, there will be the fruits of righteousness. There will be the evidence of that indwelling life that is in our spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter, six, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says all scripture, 
was given by the inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, for instructions to functioning in that oneness with God in Christ, so that every man might be perfect, mature, fully furnished, well equipped for every good work. Amen? It is important in, in, in this corrective element of the ministry, showing my people their sins in the house of Jacob, their transgression, so to speak, and, point, and, and, and making it clear with understanding where we have been missing it, whether we've been missing it in our thinking, and we miss it in our thinking at times, or in our believing, or in our speaking and in our actions, You know, Proverbs chapter 8, verse, verse 7 and 8 says, For my mouth will speak truth. My mouth will speak truth. My mouth will speak that which Christ has finished. My mouth will speak who Christ is in me right now. My mouth will speak what he is saying. It says all the words of my mouth are with righteousness. But what has happened? Within the body of Christ, and again, um, let me go to, to, to what the Lord told me kind of thing, as much as I don't like to do that. But one of the things that I, that I instructed that I got a long time ago was this particular understanding. It, I, and this is, if you want to call it, this is God's complaint, then you could put it that way. It is in the sense that his people need to learn how to talk right. They don't know how to talk right. They talk their circumstances. They talk their problems. They pray their problems. They pray their needs instead of speaking the word, instead of speaking the truth, instead of pursuing righteousness, instead of, instead of pursuing righteousness and the kingdom and all these things being added on to them. They are focused. They have the wrong focus. And they're speaking wrong. It's all about righteousness. It's about that oneness. You know, it says in um, Philippians chapter 1, verse, verse um, 9 through to 11, that may our love may abound more and more in knowledge and in all discernment so that we might choose the things that are excellent and so that you might be without offense until the day of Christ, which means you wouldn't get tripped up by selfish motivation. But, but rather, you will increase in the fruits of righteousness. The fruits that come out of that oneness that you have with God in Christ. The fruit that comes out of the, out of the reality that it's no longer you that live, but it is Christ that liveth in you. Say, I'm an extension of Christ. I'm a minister of the new covenant. Hallelujah. It's all about righteousness. It's all about functioning in that oneness with Christ. Again, for the Lord's ministry house, this part of our, our it, is, <laughs> it is explicitly part of our mandate. To do what? To awake the body of Christ to righteousness. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34 says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to righteousness. And think about what, think about that for a moment. 
Awake to righteousness. Imagine here you are. You, 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 here you are. You're slumbering. You're sleeping. And, and, and while you're sleeping, and I mean you're all dozed off, and all of a sudden, in the middle of your sleep, someone comes with a bucket of ice water, a big bucket, and just pour it on you. Will that wake you up? Okay, that wouldn't wake you up? Well, all right. Or else they come and they have this big, huge, you know those big, huge floodlights that you see in, in, in football and in, and in soccer stadiums? And one of those things is like right above your eyes and they turn the light on and they throw the bucket of ice water on you. Would that wake you up? Well, God says that my children, they need to awake to righteousness. They need to awake and, 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 and get out of the slumber and come alive and awake to the oneness that they have with God in Christ. Awake to the authority that is now theirs in the name of Jesus. Awake to the reality that they're in right standing and they can live as if sin has never been, free from guilt and shame and insecurity and inferiority because the blood has been shed and have removed their sins. As far as the east is from the west, it is remitted, and I will remember them no more. And in my sight, they are holy. They are without blame. They are without reproach. Awake to righteousness. Awake to that oneness. Awake to your rights and your privileges. Having the confidence that yes, all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to righteousness and stop coming short of the glory. So there is that assignment. And, and, and uh, let me share a scripture here with you in 2 Peter chapter 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This righteousness is a free gift. It's a gift from God. And it's to everyone that believes on the Lord Jesus. The brand new believer, the one that might still be struggling, it's a gift. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift. Romans chapter 5 verse 24 verse 17 says, By one man offense, death reigned by one. Separation from God was in reign, was reigning. But, because, but for those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness shall reign in this life by one Jesus Christ, by virtue of the sacrifice of Christ. And grace flows because of that righteousness. Grace flows when you're in that right place and position. But you see, there is a, there is a saddening Lack of understanding and revelation of righteousness within the body of Christ. Second Peter chapter 1, I had a conversation with someone just very recently, and they were asking me uh, regarding some struggles and, that they were having in their life and, uh, and the kind of questions that they were asking, really, and I'm not putting them down by any means, but it exposed the reality that they had absolutely no concept whatsoever of what it is that Jesus has finished, what it is this sacrifice has accomplished. And I do not say that to shame them or to shame anyone. But the fact of the matter is, this, the issue of righteousness is so critical. It is the foundation of every aspect of your Christian life. And it is the very building block of it. It is the cornerstone of your prayer life. It is the effectual fervent prayer of who? The righteous man that, that availeth much. Which means if it is not the prayer of a righteous man coming from that place of righteousness, it doesn't avail much. 
James also says in the very same chapter, he also, in the very same book, he also says sometimes they ask, but they ask amiss. Sometimes he says they're, they're double-minded, and the double-minded man will not receive of the Lord. There is, there is a, the issue and the revelation of righteousness is such a cornerstone in, in, in the believer's life. I was thinking only, only this, this, this morning, as, as um, and this is something I'll probably share. We have a Zoom Bible study on Tuesday nights if you're interested. And very shortly, we'll be having Bible studies here on the premises. But, and I was thinking about sharing this this coming Tuesday night. There is the word in, in the Bible, you know, we have a number of scriptures that will speak about who you are in Christ. And then there are scriptures that will speak about with Christ. And then there are scriptures that will speak about for and through. And those words are important. Because whenever it's talking about through, it is talking about the fact that, that, that of, of that life of Christ or whatever is being done through you and by him. And then there are the ones that speak about for, which has to do with substitution. That he was made sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. There was a substitution that wherever you see that word with. Sorry, not for, but then there is with. And then when there is with, it is, oft, it is often speaking, um, it, it is also speaking about the identification. We were buried with him by baptism unto death. We were raised up together with him. We were made to sit together with him. There is that identification with him. But then there is the in. And in the end, it's talking about a union. It's talking about oneness. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Think about it. How many scriptures are there in the New Testament within that speaks about who you are in Christ? Aren't there many? There are lots. Well, every one of those scriptures that speak about in Christ is talking about your union. It's talking about the oneness. It's talking about the righteousness. So think about it. And so if we do not have a comprehension of righteousness, look how many scriptures are lost to us. Can you see what I'm saying? And on the other hand, if you do have the comprehension of righteousness, how much can you get out of some of those same scriptures? That's a good thought. So anyway, I was just going to show you this here. Second Peter chapter 1. And it was talking about, you know, he's given us great and precious promises, verse 4, that by these we might be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then it says, and for, for all, but also, for this very reason, give all diligence and add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, add knowledge. And to knowledge, add self-control. And to self-control... Add perseverance. And to perseverance, add godliness. And to godliness, add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, add love. That almost sounds a list very similar to the fruits of the Spirit, does it not? So you could think of them as the fruits of the Spirit to some degree. And then it says, verse 8, If these things are yours and abound, they're overflowing, guess what's going to happen? You will not be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not going to be barren or unfruitful in that intimacy with God and the knowledge of him. All right? But if for he who lacks these things, the ones who lack these things, who lack these fruits, who lack this perseverance, who lacks this love, this brotherly kindness, who, who lacks these things, what happened? 
He is short-sighted, even to blindness. Oh, that doesn't sound nice. But then look, why? Why is he short-sighted? Why is he blind? He has forgotten that he was cleansed from his own old sins. In other words, he's stumbling and he's having problems because he has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his own sins. And it, actually, and it goes on to say, brethren, that being the case, you better be diligent to make your calling and your election sure, because if you do those things, you will never stumble. What is he saying? They had these problems because they forgot they were cleansed from their old sins. In other words, then, they lost sight of the fact that they are the righteousness of God in Christ. And because they lost sight of the righteousness of God in Christ, these fruits were not abounding in their life, and as a result of that, they couldn't come into a place of greater knowledge and intimate knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, they kept on stumbling, which means what? The devil keep finding ways to trip them up, to trip them up, to cause them to, to stumble. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this again, this emphasis, this reality of righteousness. And in this conversation, I had someone who was talking in the area of sin. But for most people, in other words, but I'm having these struggles. And they're thinking, well, what should I do? Should I fast some more? And they're looking to their willpower. They're looking at they're making a list of practices, what they should and shouldn't do. They're coming up with their own Ten Commandments. And the whole, the old, all their old letter and rules and stuff like that, as if somehow that's going to solve the problem. It never did. But what it is saying, this is saying you can be freed from that by the revelation of righteousness. The revelation that you've been crucified with Christ. You know, and, and I could really get off on a rabbit trail here. But there are some things where the answer is not, it's only going to be in coming out of the fact that you've been crucified. Amen? And then there's some other things that will only come out from the reality of Christ being in you. And you being seated with him. You being at the Father's right hand, you having that authority, the devil being underneath your feet, etc., etc. So again, let's, so let's circle the wagon. It's about, so this, 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 it, it, is, it is appalling. You know, when, when I look at it and I see it and I, and I dare to articulate it, it is appalling the lack of revelation knowledge where righteousness is concerned. Yet, at the same time, it is the most important aspect of the Christian life, and it is the very area of least revelation. And we want Jesus to come tomorrow. We want the church to come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto the full measure of the stature of Christ. And we be not tossed to and fro with every other wind of doctrine. Now, I'm not saying this as a rebuke. I'm saying this as a charge that you got to be determined, I'm going to come up high in this area. So, and that is why, again, for us, part of the call is what? Isaiah 61, verse 3, that you are trees of righteousness. That tree behind there. Tree of righteousness planted of the Lord, that you might be established in righteousness, that every believer is an able minister of this new covenant. And it's to be a tree of righteousness and bear fruit that looks like Jesus. <laughs> bear fruit that is the very character of Christ. Now let's talk, go, go, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Say I'm enjoying this. 
Come on, say it anyway. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Read it from verse 2. You are, you are epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men. You are, clearly you are an epistle of Christ. I mean, they're not, the folks we come in contact with, they're not looking in here to see Jesus. This is not where they see Jesus. They see Jesus when they see you. You are the epistle. You are the letters of recommendation, of commendation, written by the Spirit of God to be read of all men. Written not on tablets of stone, but written in the hearts. And we, it says, and we have such trust, verse 4, through Christ towards you, that God has done this. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Not based on law and works and legalism. But after the heart, there's a circumcision that has taken place. And it's not in the flesh, but it's in your spirit. There's a new man in there. And that new man is perfect, created in righteousness and true holiness. He's the very workmanship of God. He is the very offspring of God. He is the very um, product of a perfect sacrifice. And he is the able minister of the gospel of this new covenant. And he is in every single believer. I'm I, I not saying there isn't a place for growth and learning. We're going to get there. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 says, How that God has, uh, um, God has given grace. Ephesians 4 verse 7, it says, To each one has been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Every believer has the grace, has, the, has a new birth, has an impartation of Christ in his very life, in their spirit. So that they can supply, and they, they can supply to the rest of the body of Christ and to the world what God has placed in them. Say, I'm an able minister. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You are qualified. Qualified. You are an able minister of the new covenant. What new covenant? What's this new covenant? Okay, let's keep on reading. Verse 7. If the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was fading away. Moses, who had a ministry, verse 8, uh, who had a ministry of condemnation, the, 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 the law that was written on stones, stones, anyway, verse 8, how will not the ministry, and if what Moses was walking in in the old covenant, if that were had some glory, how will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Part of this new covenant 
that we are able ministers of is this ministry or dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, that's what that was, the ministry of righteousness, this is a ministry of righteousness. This is the ministry of men being made the righteousness of God in Christ because they accept Jesus. This is the ministry of men having the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, having rights and privileges and the favor of God and totally accepted before God, holy and blameless. As if sin has never been. This is the ministry. It's a ministry of righteousness. Oh, and this ministry exceeds much more in glory. Say much more. It exceeds much more in glory. So this is this dispensation of righteousness. What is this new covenant? What is this new covenant that we are ministers of? It is the reality that Christ is in you. The hope of glory. Christ himself. Christ the one in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily is in you. The one in whom all wisdom and treasure of wisdom and knowledge are in him. He is in you. Christ in you and he is your hope. He is your hope. He is the confident expectation that you have from God. Where the promises are concerned. Where what God has spoken to you is concerned. Your confidence and your hope is not based on anything horizontal. It is based on the reality of what he has done and it's reality of Christ in you. That's what this new covenant is about. The Bible says when Jesus was lifted up from the earth, what happened? He drew all judgment to himself. All judgment that should have been against sinners. All judgment he took. He took all the judgment. And that's why it says if he's lifted up. He will draw. He draws all judgment to him. And as a result of that, what is the reality? Uh, the reality is, here you and I, we are born again. We are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled. He's made an exchange. He's reconciled us through Christ Jesus. And he has given us this ministry of reconciliation. Get people reconciled. Let them know. Let them know what? That God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself. And he is not imputing their trespasses to them. And he has committed unto us that word. We are to share that word. You know, it is so sad. Someone dies and they go to hell. All the time, when they were living on this earth, God had already reconciled them. Jesus had already paid the price. So that they could have an exchange and not be locked in that realm of sin and kingdom of darkness. But rather could be made the righteousness of God and be in the kingdom of God's dear son. But they didn't know about it. Or they rejected it. And they go to hell. Paying a price that Jesus had already paid for them. Think about that. And God says, hey, this is your ministry. To let people know the truth. Let the people know the truth. That whom the son sets free is free indeed. But they got to know the truth. Embrace that truth. But how are they going to know the truth. If someone doesn't tell them. Amen. 
it is a ministry, this ministry of the new covenant is a ministry, as it says in Colossians 1 verse 20, whereby the blood of his cross, he has reconciled everything unto himself in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible. So everything has been set at one, uh, set at one to, to its original intent, which means everything in the realm of the spirit, everything has been fixed as if no sin has ever taken place and all that God had from the way it was supposed to be from the foundation of the world has been restored by the blood of the cross. That's the good news. That's the new covenant. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, he says, God called him, God anointed him, and this was his responsibility, to make all men see what is their fellowship and participation in this mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's all about righteousness. And this righteousness is filled with exceeding glory. It's not just a cloud in the air. The Bible says that Christ, that we have obtained the glory of God. It's in your spirit. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Paul, Jesus prayed, Father, the glory, the glory that you have given me, that one, I have given it to them. That they might be one. How? As you and I are one. We are believers. Say, I believe that. Say, I believe I've obtained the glory. I got it. So that I could be one with God. Just like Jesus and the Father are one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, as a result of that, guess what? And that glory is the excellency of God, by the way. It is the very excellence, all of his being, oh, mama. Second Peter 1, verse 3 said, he's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, man, we could go on there, but nevertheless, nevertheless, let's move on. All that God has called you to, all that God has called you to. This is a wild statement I'm about to make. All that God has called you to, you already have in your spirit. All. You are blessed with how many spiritual blessings? Every spiritual blessing. Everything is spoken, desired, dreamt of concerning you is already finished. And you already got it. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says, therefore, don't, don't, be a, don't be ashamed of the testimony, the testimony of our Lord. I'm not talking about your testimony. We're going to come back to that. The testimony of the Lord. The testimony of Jesus who is Lord. The testimony of him being alive and, and so on. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of him. Don't be ashamed of, of, of whatever you know about him. But share with me in the suffering 
and the cost that will come, sometimes come to you when you decide you're going to be bold. According to the power of God, now listen to this, who has saved us, are you saved? Has called us, has, are you called? Well, you are called with a holy calling, which means there's things that he has spoken. And it was not according to your works. It was not according to your background, your history, your genes, or any of that stuff. But it was according to his own purpose and design. And grace, which was, say was with me. Say was. Was. Grace which was given to you in Christ Jesus. So in Christ you've received grace, you've received purpose, you've received a call. In Christ you're saved. But now it is revealed by the appearing of Jesus Christ. As Christ in you is unveiled, then all that you've got in here begins to come out. Are you with me? You are qualified. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 says, He that has made us, he has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And the word meet means he has qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance. All of it. How are you qualified? Based on your works? No. The letter of the Lord? No. You are qualified. The blood of Christ is what has qualified you. Say I'm qualified. Right? You are qualified by the blood of Christ. You are now God. Ephesians 2 says you are God's workmanship. You are his handiwork. You are what came. I, I mean you are born of him. You have the very nature of God. You are complete in Christ. You are a partake of his divine nature. You are the spirit. Your spirit has been perfected forever through the sacrifice of Christ. And God expects, because of what is done in you, that now through you, he will be able to make Jesus' enemies your, his footstool. As if that's not enough, and you say, this is too big for me, this is too high for me. No, it's not. Because you know why? You are a believer. Say, I'm a believer. God has placed the capacity within you to believe. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Say, I got faith. It's a gift, not of works as any man should boast. This stuff is all free. It's a gift. As if that's not enough. The spirit of God. God has given you his spirit. Say, I got the Holy Ghost. I have the Spirit of God himself. The Bible says if any man doesn't have the Spirit of God, then he's none of his. You have the Spirit of Christ. You are your body. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You belong. You are bought with a price. As if that's not enough. <laughs> Second Corinthians 1 verse 21 says... He that has anointed us is God. Say, I'm anointed. Say, I'm anointed. Hallelujah. And you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus was, so all of that is, what am I saying? I'm saying you're qualified. Say, I'm qualified. All right. Now, huh. okay, let me just, okay. 
Yes, I'm just going to stay with it. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1, for a moment. Acts chapter 1, um, reading from about verse 4, Jesus said to the disciples, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, he asked, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to, to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Say power. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. You're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Now, when he says you're going to be witnesses to me, he wasn't talking about the fact that you got to go witnessing. You should go witnessing. <laughs> but he was talking the fact that you will be the witness. You will be there to say, yep, I saw it. I saw the accident. He came around the corner, and he went right straight through the red light. I saw it. I'm a witness. <laughs> Right? I have, I'm going to stand here and go. You, you, your very own life is the evidence that Jesus is alive. That Jesus is alive. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Say, I got evidence. Say, I am the evidence. Say, I got a testimony. I am the testimony. All right, you said it. Did you just say that? All right. Well, let's check it out. Revelation chapter 12, glory to God. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Revelation chapter 12, reading from verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Bye-bye. <laughs> Then I heard, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now, say now, now salvation, now strength, now the kingdom of our God, now the power of his Christ have come. Why? Because the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night, he has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. The devil can no longer accuse you before God about anything. He has no access to him whatsoever. He has been cast down. But you know you, you experience a lot of accusation. Hey, it's coming in your mind. That's where he's trying to accuse you in your mind. But, you, but then what happens? He comes there right there in your face to accuse you. That song, some of that song that we sang. And he's right there. But listen, you have overcome him. How? By the blood. And what else? And the word of your testimony. Until you put the blood in your mouth. Until you begin to speak. There is no power to drive the devil off. Thank God for the blood. But you got to speak. You got to speak. 
I remember I had an experience back in <laughs> 2008. I went and I did some dental work. No, this story, I'm not going to tell you all the graphics because it's kind of gross. <laughs> but I went and I, I went and I, I had some dental work. And I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, I don't like dentists and poking and needles and, you know what I mean? Like, mm. anyway, I went and I mean, they did some stuff. And I mean, and, and, you know, they were concerned about bleeding. And sometimes during the night I wake up and I saw some blood on the bed. So it was some bleeding that happened. Anyway, that's the unpleasant part of the story. But what came out of that is the Lord spoke to me. I know what he said to me. I could never forget it. He says, keep the blood in your mouth. <laughs> Put the blood in your mouth. And you know what he, what he meant by that? Keep speaking it. Say whatever the blood say. Say whatever the blood say. But you got to speak it. You have to speak it. Now, it said they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, people might say, that the, here's the fact. First of all, you have a testimony. You have a testimony. Your testimony is that it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lived in you. Your testimony is that the life you now live is the life of Christ. So it's not true that you don't have a testimony. And not only that, according to this scripture, you can declare, I have salvation now. I have strength now. I have the kingdom of God now. Is the kingdom of God within you? I have the power of Christ now. You have the testimony. Christ is in you. You just, just, just talking about who Christ is in you is your testimony. You see, many times we feel we got to have a spectacular testimony of a healing or some deliverance or some, some spectacular thing that happened. But your testimony might be that you didn't have anything spectacular happen. Your testimony is your testimony. Your testimony is you. Your testimony is the, is the testimony of Jesus inside of you. You know, there's a tremendous scripture in Revelation chapter 19 and verse, um, and verse 11 that says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is that divine utterance, that bubbling up of speech that comes from the inside of your being that, 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 that declares Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The spirit of prophecy is the spirit of, of the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You open your mouth, you're just talking to somebody. You say you don't have a testimony, just talk to someone. And just let the Holy Ghost bubble up. The Bible says, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will not speak of himself, but he shall speak. And whatever he hears, he shall speak. So he will speak through you. You just, you just got to trust him. The word of God says, even when you're, that, that open your mouth and I'll fill it. Just open your mouth and there comes your testimony. I'll teach you what you ought to say. There is a divine utterance. Of course there is a stories, what God did for you, how you came to this point. But now you see, the point is that I want to emphasize right now, and we can get into this testimony stuff later on, is you must speak it. Unless you speak it, you don't stop the enemy. If you don't speak it, you don't release the power to bring fulfillment to whatever it is. 
If you don't declare, I'm the healed of the Lord. His healing power is flowing in my body. The healing power don't flow in your body. If you don't de declare, you are the redeemed of the Lord, but you got to say so. And your testimony, your speaking, silences the devil. It releases power to bring fulfillment to the word of God. Because God has ordained that he will manifest his word through preaching when we speak it. And the speaking of the word is the very word that will bring strength and encouragement to somebody else. It is the very word that will provoke another believer to good works and to walk in love and to keep trusting God. But then you say, um, I, 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 my only testimony is, all the testimony that I seem to have, all I know is struggle and failure. Well, your testimony might be that you're still standing. Do you think somebody could be encouraged by that? That after all that you went through, there you are? Think about that. <laughs> Let me show you something here for a moment. Give me another five minutes there. Ten. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter four. Listen to this for a moment. It says, Second Corinthians chapter four. It says it's God who commanded the light to shine out of where? Out of where? Out of darkness. Out of darkness. It's not God coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to bring in the light. And No, 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 no. It's not God. It's you. Out of darkness, God said, this light will shine. It's in the middle of the darkness. Who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We've got this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Sometimes the testimony is just in the midst of the darkness declaring, I trust the Lord. In the presence of his enemies, he prepares a table. And you know why the way you know where the table was? In the valley of what? was down there. It wasn't on the mountaintop. But wherever you are, no matter what you go, that's where God will meet you. And it is his engagement that is with you that is the testimony. You will have a testimony even in the midst. Your testimony might be in the midst of confusion, in the midst of uncertainty. God is my confidence. God is my confidence. Now, the word of God says, the Lord give the word, and great is the multitude of them that publish it. Why? Every believer has a testimony. How are they going to hear without a preacher? You are the preacher that tells them Jesus is Lord. You say, but I'm a new believer. I don't, even, I don't have any verses in the Bible memorized. I don't even know the Bible that well. But the early church didn't have a Bible. They started off as new believers. <laughs> Your testimony, here we still in Second Corinthians. I mean, Paul was saying, we have to stretch in earthen vessels. Now listen to this. Your testimony might be in the midst of persecution, in the midst of misunderstanding. God gives you grace. Listen to Paul. Going back to Second Corinthians chapter 4. So he said, as we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And then here he goes. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Perplexed, 
but not in despair. Persecuted. But guess God, hey, praise the Lord, we are not forsaken. Struck down, but we're not destroyed. That might be your testimony. Somebody needs that. Somebody's going to be encouraged. Somebody's going to be strengthened by that. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Just open your mouth, he'll fill it. You are God's preacher. You've got a mouth, and that's the most important part of it all. God wants to use your mouth. You say before God what you say before men, whatever God is doing. Here's another thing. Let me throw this in there. When you do not speak, you see, when you say what God is saying, when you say what Jesus is doing, when you give forth that, that, that spirit of prophecy, which is Jesus Christ himself, when you do not do that and you don't speak, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. So when you don't do that, he can back you up. He is the high priest of your profession. The Hebrews 3 verse 1, so consider him. But now here's the part, now check this out. When you do not speak what you don't say, the devil takes that as authority for him to do his stuff. In other words, your silence could empower the enemy. Because if you speak, you release power to stop him. When you don't speak, you don't release power to stop him. And guess what? He just goes on like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Say, I'm going to start talking. And I'm going to talk right. Righteousness. Truth. The word. Glory to God. All right. So, so you just speak. You share your hope. You've got to say, I got a testimony. Now, is there a learning curve? Of course there's a learning curve. Can you grow in grace? Of course you can grow in grace. There is a maturing that takes place. Is there a perfecting in holiness? Yes. Is there a perfecting of the saints? Yes. There is these things, but nevertheless. And, and, and we're going to teach on that very, very shortly. Lord willing, next week. How to be, because you could be more effective. Because you are an able minister. The thing is, you need to be. You are, you need to be who you are. <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> All right. <laughs> but in the meantime, while you still have a learning curve to go through, what has to happen right now? You need to be convicted. Say, I'm a convict. <laughs> I'm, I am a convict in that I am an, I'm convicted. Say, I'm, I'm guilty. Put, put up your hand, surrender. Put up your hand right now. Say, I'm guilty of being an able minister of the new covenant. I am guilty of being an able minister <laughs> of the new covenant. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you got to make that conclusion. And then you must also make this determination. Right now, you got to decide, I am going to be that able minister. Say that. I'm going to be that able minister. Which means what? You're going to have to start acting like it. Are you, are, you, are you a child of God? You are a child of God. But you need to act like it. Are you the righteousness of God in Christ? All the time? Yes. But you need to act like it. Well, you are able minister of this new covenant. You need to act like it. Amen? You got to think like it. You got to talk like it. 
Same way, you got to think and talk and believe you are a child of God. You got to think and talk like you are righteous. You got to think and talk and act like you are an able minister of this new covenant. Amen? Now, I want to pray for you because there is a spirit of intimidation that comes from the enemy that makes us not want to talk, not, don't even want to stop you from confessing even in front of the mirror that you're the righteousness of God. Can you imagine that? The devil don't want you, you to even talk to yourself. He only wants you to talk to yourself unbelief and worry and anxiety. He don't want you to talk to yourself and start saying, well, I am, I, am the, I am the product of a perfect sacrifice. I am God's workmanship. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a king and a priest unto God. My identity is not from humanity. I got divinity living in my humanity. I greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No matter what comes my way, I'm more than a conqueror. Even those things that seem to be against me, they're going to work for me a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory because I'm not looking at what is seen. The devil don't want you to talk like that. I got the power to get wealth. <laughs> he don't want you to talk. Well, he got to, and so he, he want to intimidate you just when you're by yourself, much less when you go trying to talk to somebody else. Trying to make you think there is nothing that you could say to encourage another believer. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling together of yourself. You know why? Because we can provoke one another to love and to good works. Right now, I'm saying things that are provoking you. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity, so that we got to pull back and draw back. They, 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 one time in the book of Acts, when they told the disciples that they must no longer preaching the name and they went back to their own company and then they prayed to God and they said God behold your threatenings give us boldness let's stand right now and let's pray and let's believe God let's take authority over every spirit of intimidation every spirit that would want to cause you to back up and back down and back off no none of that in Jesus name I am the righteousness of God in Christ and I'm as bold as a lion. You are the righteousness of God in Christ and you are bold as a lion. You are an able minister of the gospel. Just lift up your hands before God in Jesus' name. Father, fuck you to say this with me. Say, Father in heaven, you are my Father. I have your spirit. It is the spirit of Christ. I have the spirit of Christ. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am the righteousness of God. I'm as bold as a lion in the name of Jesus. I break every spirit of fear and timidity off of myself. In nothing will I be terrified by the enemy. I am more than a conqueror. I start out that way. I'm an able minister. The blood has qualified me. Father, you're not looking at my faults. You said that in your presence, I am holy. I am without blemish. I am without fault. I'm righteous in your sight. I believe that. So I silence the enemy. I silence every accuser. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment. I chop it off. I silence it. In Jesus' name, I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. I am a testament. I am the testament myself. I am the testimony that Jesus is alive. He's alive in me. And he speaks through me. I am his mouthpiece. I am his hands. I am the, this is the body that he lives in. 
and operates through. Father, I thank you because it is so. In Jesus' name, amen.